You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. All right, so we're in our second week of our Sabbath series, and uh, this week we're going to look at rest, and uh, Shondaya was our... um, what would you call that, muse? Our model? Yeah. And that face right there, that, yep, that's, that's rest. Um, some parameters for this series. Well, I just want to keep talking about this because I want to make sure that everybody's clear on this. We're not trying to make anybody Jewish in this room. We know that Sabbath is a very Jewish part. It's very, very much a part of the Jewish worship. As part of the 613 laws that uh, define um, the Judean way of, of worship, and their weekly Sabbath is analogous to our weekly taking of communion. It's a sign to the world we're different. So we're not trying to make you Jewish. In fact, uh, Apostle Paul says, no one is to act as your judge in regard to Sabbath. He said that in Colossians chapter 2. He was writing to a a multi-ethnic religious group, um, both Gentile and Jewish people that were celebrating Jesus as the Messiah. And he's saying there's a distinction in the way we celebrate. So um, no one's trying to make, uh, act as your judge, or no one's trying to make you... Jewish do this series. Secondly, we're not going to create a culture of Sabbath police. I think Sabbath is extremely beneficial. And I think we should partake in that. But there's, we don't need people walking. We don't need Nehemiahs running around pulling beards and, you know, those kinds of things. So <laughs> for those of us who still have a beard... I love the fact that this week we had a number of conversations that I heard about come back. Um, and the conversation was, um, do we have to Sabbath? Do we have to Sabbath? And I think that's a great question. I, I love the fact that people are wrestling with that question in community. Um, and one of the things that was expressed as well and this was actually expressed multiple times, we are not part of the old covenant. Absolutely correct. And so what does this mean for us? And, and, and why are we going to spend five weeks on something that we don't have to do? Well, um, when we talk about the old covenant, we're talking about the Mosaic covenant. And who wrote the most about the Mosaic Covenant in the New Testament? Rhymes with all. <laughs> Apostle Paul. Um, so he, uh, he wrote about this extensively. And he says something in Galatians 3 that I think helps this conversation. He says, therefore, the law, the Mosaic Covenant, as it were, has become our t- 
tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So we had this law, and this law reveals our need, this need for Christ. But I think the law does something more than that. And, and uh, the Apostle Paul picks an interesting word when he, when he uses this term guardian or tutor. And the Greek word there is pedagogos. Now, in the Roman culture, what a pedagogos did was he would tutor, he was a slave, but as a tutor, he had responsibility over a son while that son was growing up. And that tutor would teach that son lessons that the father wanted that son to learn. At some point, though, the son no longer needed the tutor. And Apostle Paul says, for those of us who've come to Christ, that's where we're at. Let me ask you a question. Were the lessons taught by the tutor to the son for the father, were the lessons taught unnecessary? No. No, the lessons that we learn through the law that draws our attention to Christ are still necessary lessons. Maybe that's why the Billy Graham said, God knows we need rest. And one of the reasons he established the Sabbath was to give us rest. One of the Ten Commandments states, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day you shall not do any work. And so, you know, the Ten Commandments, let me know how many of those commandments you could just put up five, ten fingers, nine fingers, eight fingers, like how many of those commandments are valuable for us today and the lessons that they teach us under the law. We got ten in the back there, we got ten over here, 10. Oh, we got 20 over there, man. <laughs> Logan's doing some additional math back there. I'm not sure what he's... Um, all the commandments, the 10 commandments, like they're, they're foundational to who we are as a country, aren't they? Don't we value those commandments? And yet, um, I'm not sure who the pastor is. We'll probably talk more about this on footnotes but there's a pastor that said, if I as a pastor break nine of the 10 commandments, I'm in jeopardy of losing my job. I'm in jeopardy of being fired as a pastor if I break one of nine of the commandments. However, if I break the commandment on Sabbath, they'll give me a raise. Isn't that interesting? The lessons that we learn are important. 
D.L. Moody says, every child ought to be reared so that he shall be able to say with a friend that he would rather have the other six days weeded out of his memory than the Sabbath of his childhood. Here's a couple of men within the last 150 years, two of the greatest men when it comes to leading people to Christ and, and living out what it means to be a follower of Christ. And they both say Sabbath is super important. It's critical. Jesus says this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. And so while Jesus was walking the earth, he had the opportunity to just say, hey, we're done with Sabbath. He doesn't do that. He says, Sabbath was made for man. And he says that authoritatively. And then Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3, what we read here comes nearly 2,000 years before the Mosaic Covenant. So this is a principle that's been placed long before the Old Covenant. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. I was talking with uh, our trainer at the gym yesterday, and, and Christy and I have been lifting pretty regularly and we've got some goals. Um, I want to bench my weight. She wants to be able to bench her weight. We're, we're both close, and we're following a very specific regiment. And, and I was asking them, like, what's your rest regiment look like? Now, he lifts differently than we do. He lifts two hours a day, four days a week, and we lift an hour a day about six to seven times a week. Um, but he said rest is super important. That's where most of your gains are made is when you're resting. And then he went on to talk about how the body rebuilds and, and, and all these kinds of things. And you know, he's got a degree in this. And so I'm like, man, I wish I had that information so I, I could you know, share it here because I think it's valuable. And I said, we're talking about rest in, in church. And he says, well, God rested on the seventh day and are we stronger than God? Uh, no, we're not. From creation, Sabbath was created by God for us to experience Him and His holiness. Is Sabbath a requirement at Mission Ridge? Are we going to make that part of our, our membership commitment? No. And honestly, I hope you'll never see it as a requirement. I hope you'll see it as an invitation to experience God, to grow closer to him, to know him intimately, for him to be intimately involved in your world. And so we've been filling up our field. It was empty last week. We had, to, we had the stop sign 
And uh, Shandaya was standing there looking at the stop sign like, what? Me? And uh, this week she's resting. And so we're starting to fill this field, this space, this time that's holy. Because we meet God in this time, we're starting to fill it with intentional things. Because when I think about Sabbath, I'm like, what in the world am I supposed to do all day? I know what I'm not supposed to do. I'm not supposed to work. That's all I know how to do. So what do I fill this with? And we're seeing the effects of people not resting well. According to the 2020 Gallup report, 76% of workers feel burned out at least sometimes. And 28% are burned out very often or always. It's a big number. American Psychological Association and National Opinion Research Center says that 48% of Americans experiencing increased stress over the past five years. Half of our people increased stress over the last five years. 31% employed adults find it difficult managing work and family responsibilities. And over half our people leave work overtired and overwhelmed. When I asked you guys last week to raise your hand on a number of questions, the one question you guys universally answered was, we need rest. Well, some things I think that cause us to not rest, things that uh, we need rest from, um, we are a very performance-oriented society. Uh, we struggle with perfectionism. We have relational strife at work, in our neighborhoods, at home, apparently on social media. Um, as a society, we're seeing people that struggle with anger more and more and more. You could just watch it take place out in front of you, driving down reserve. Coveting, desiring what you don't have, but someone else does have is, you know, we, today we'd call it jealousy. I think that's a more common term that we use today. Um, fear, fear causes us to do all kinds of things that detract from our rest. Shame. Shame causes us to do all kinds of things that detracts from our rest. I don't like my physical body. There's things I'd like to change about that. I should probably rest more. And I don't because of shame. And then self-reliance. This is something else that we, as a Larger body of people, especially in Montana, I'm finding self-reliance is one of those things that we have to break through. And then there's COVID. You know, when COVID first hit and we went into lockdown mode, I mean, we were told not to leave our house. You think we would have been the most restful people in the whole world, Right. Did you feel rested during that time? I didn't. 
I felt like I had more things to do and had to figure out new ways to do them. As a church, you know, just functionally to operate, we, we had to come up with new processes and procedures and, and our schedule changed. It got compressed. Instead of having, well, we had to change our whole timeline and developing our sermon because we had to preach by Sunday not, or Thursday. We had to preach by Thursday, not Sunday. And then through that time, you know, I just felt the tension in my body build up like a battery that's about ready to explode. Who felt that? And for me, it just kind of pointed to my Sabbath rest as not really being as beneficial. Like I was not working on Sunday, or I'm sorry, my Sabbath is on Saturday. I was not working on Saturday during, during that whole lockdown time. I was not working on Saturday. But I still wasn't feeling restful. And though I've been trying to, or journeying, on what it means to Sabbath for a couple years, I found my Sabbath lacking. And I think we could rest the wrong way. Now, Peter Scazzaro, he writes a number of books, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. I think he presents this next um, slide, or we've we've kind of redrew this, but he, he presents this um, cycle, this rhythm that most of us experience. And, and at the top left, you see work, 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 vacation, work, 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 vacation. Problem is. is how many of our vacations have been interrupted? And he says, instead, we're supposed to have this weekly rhythm of work, rest, work, rest, work, rest. And this is a design, rhythm designed by God of work and rest, work and rest. And not that vacation's not beneficial or helpful or necessary or needed because I'm taking one. But our rest should be more consistent more often. And so some of the ways that we are not resting well, and most of these will uh, stab me right in the heart, I'm not completely disconnecting from work. Like I'm home, I'm with my family, physically, I got my laptop on me, or I'm looking at information on my iPhone because it's so readily available. I could track details, I could track conversations, I can ch change data, I can update things, I can plan things. And so I'm not completely disconnecting from work or cycling through social media posts. For me, I could just spend hours doing this number or at the, at the TV, cycling, cycling through offerings on the 
2,000 channels we got. I don't know why we need 2,000 channels, but um, we actually just dialed that back. I think we're down to 50. <laughs> but, you know, binge, binging Netflix, uh, sometimes just laying helpless, helplessly on the couch with a gallon of ice cream in one hand and a spoon in the other hand. Not necessarily restful, but if I sure, yeah, at the time, it seems like a good idea. <laughs> and what I'm finding is that resting away from God is not restful. Resting away from God is not restful. So I don't know if you've ever thought in terms of like you're exhausted and you're like, man, I should probably, you know, I haven't read my Bible this week. But I am way too tired for that. Man, I haven't spent any time in worship this week. Oh, I don't know where I could get the energy to do that. And so I walk away from those things where I'd be able to rest in God. And I try resting over here apart from him. And rest is not necessarily doing nothing. You could take a short meditative walk. You can worship. Uh, you can have a relational conversation. That's actually can be restful. Um, you could have a feast or, or a party. Reading a book can be restful. Lounging with friends and family can be restful. Afternoon nap. A break from technology. It's amazing how many times my phone ends up in my hand on Saturdays when I'm taking a break from social media. I'm like, <laughs> it's like a tractor beam. Like I didn't, <laughs> didn't intend to pick that up. Um, sitting silently before God. Now, some of these require new muscles that I didn't know I needed or that I didn't know existed. You ever, ever play uh, volleyball after three years of not playing volleyball and you find a brand new muscle in your back that you didn't realize was there? <laughs> well, this week, um, Logan and I took a day to just connect with, with God because if we're not connecting with God ourselves personally, intimately, what do we have to offer you? So we, we took some time and, and I went for a walk and I was, you know, first of all, when I'm thinking about what am I going to do in this day? Like, I'm not even sure. And, and uh, you know, how do I do this right? Is always the question we want to solve. And I don't know if there's a right but um, I went for a, for a walk, and I was listening to some worship music, so I was worshiping, and I get about a mile away from the house, sit down on a bench, and I'm going to just sit there quietly before God, because that's one of the things that Peter Scazzaro recommends. It's a different spiritual practice that I've never really practiced before. And boy, did I prove that I've never practiced that before. Because I set my timer, I set my phone down, the music's off, I'm sitting there, the wind's blowing, there's birds flying, there's cars driving by, 
there's clouds kind of moving, looking at the landscape because I could see Blue Mountain and that range there and another range over here. Not sure what it's called. You guys will have to tell me later. Yeah, and I'm taking it all in and I sat there for a good solid 14 minutes. And I thought, surely this has been 29 or maybe the timer forgot to tell me or something. I thought my time was done. So I look at my phone. It's only been 14 minutes. I'm going, okay, another 16 minutes. Five more minutes go by, and I look at my phone again. Another five minutes go by, I look at my phone. And then three and a half minutes go by, and I, was, I still had a minute and a half to go. It felt so awkward to sit quietly. But I think it's one of those things that as I continue to do it, I will benefit from my connection with God in that time. Uh, one person said this, apparently they're a friend of Annie F. Downs, not sure what that means, but um, if you work with your mind, Sabbath with your hands, and if you work with your hands, Sabbath with your mind. So that might be an indicator to you what might actually bring you rest. If you're on the computer all day, working with your mind, solving problems, then maybe going out in the garage and working with some wood, banging on some things, chiseling things, maybe that's what's going to be restful for you. We were created for rest by God for good. And rest needs to include God. Now, for me, I'll tell you what interrupted my Sabbath the most. What, what, what's made Sabbath the hard, hard for me more than anything else is becoming a lead pastor. Isn't that weird? It was becoming the lead pastor because suddenly the weight of the organization has felt heavier. And your concerns are my concerns. I think about them all the time. And I'm always thinking about, God, what do you have for us next? Like, I'm not just asking myself, like, God, where are you leading the Croyles? I'm asking God, where are you leading Mission Ridge? And all these problems that I didn't have to worry about because it wasn't my department. I didn't, you know, Suddenly, all departments are somehow my department eventually. And I think of David, who went from shepherding some sheep, maybe, maybe this means sheep, maybe, maybe more, but now he has a nation that he has to worry about. And imagine him wrestling with God, what does it mean for me to be king? What does it mean for me to lead this large group of people? How do I do this well? And then we come to Psalm 23. And I'm using a little different version here on, on purpose. It's the Aramaic Bible in plain English. First time I've ever seen it. But it translates one of the words 
um, more correctly than all the other versions I've seen. And it's that one word I want to look at today. It says, Lord Jehovah will shepherd me and I shall lack nothing. He'll make me lie down upon lush pastures and he'll lead me beside restful waters. Now that word restful. Um, usually we see the word still or quiet in our versions. The, the versions I'm most familiar with, still and quiet, seem to be the most common translations. And that sense is not wrong. A still water or a quiet water would be restful. Um, I want to take a look at this next picture because this next picture, I think, helps us understand why why uh, a still water or, or a quiet water would be restful. So this is Bethlehem. This is the area that David was leading sheep as a shepherd. Um, you see the lush pastures there? Usually the pictures that we see, and I found some instantly, but they are copyrighted. Um, They're they're pictures of, uh, oh, Ireland. (laughs) David didn't get to lead sheep in Ireland. This is where he led sheep. This is where he got trained to be a leader. This is where he learned how God was leading him. Lord Jehovah will be my shepherd. And in the midst of this, I shall lack nothing. Now, when it rains here, the water collects into these areas called wadis. And Aaron Couch, who uh, is a friend of ours and uh, is on our board, when he takes people to Israel, he will have them hike a wadi. Though he's very careful when doing though doing that because you can have a storm a dozen miles away and that storm will send a flash flood down that path. And so yes, there may be water collected there, but it's not necessarily safe. Today we have phones that have apps that tell us how close a storm is and we could track it. And, and uh, David didn't have that. And so finding a spring is where you would find rest. It's where you'd find still or quiet waters. And David came to understand that his God was that place of provision and that place of rest. Jesus in Mark 11 says, Come to me, all, you, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's this rhythm that God invites you to, this weekly rhythm 
where you could connect to your Father in heaven and say, for today, I have enough. Yesterday, I was thinking I didn't have enough. I was working harder. I was trying to solve new problems. I was expending all kinds of energy because I didn't feel I had enough. But for today, I'm putting all that aside. I'm going to act like my work is 100% done. Does anybody have their work 100% done? Is there no work left? Always work left. Today, out of an act of faith and an act of obedience, I'm going to engage with you, God, as my creator, as my provider, as the one who knows how to give me rest. We've been uh, inviting Marty to speak into this conversation with us, and he's going to talk about what rest has meant for him. Let's take a look at this. Hey, Mission Ridge. Uh, Today is our second installment of the Sabbath Diaries, and as you walk through this path of stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating, I wanted to reflect on this second idea today of resting. Uh, I wasn't raised in my Jewish heritage. I wasn't raised in a Jewish context. I was raised going to church in a evangelical Jesus context my whole life. So I wasn't raised with this commitment to Sabbath from a Jewish perspective that I have learned so much from and try to share today. And I say try to share because it's such a learning curve for me today. And uh, we'll talk more about that, I think, in our last week um, and those last thoughts together. But as I, as I experienced Sabbath, and I'll save you some of those details of all the different ways that I had mentors teach me about Sabbath and all the ways that I learned just about uh, not, not necessarily the Sabbath, like Saturday or even the weekly, just the idea of creating a Sabbath space. I mean, that's where it started for me. Um, I had a mentor that told me I, I, I just worked and worked and worked. And on my days off, I found different kinds of work to do. And uh, I just needed to find a space where I could just listen to God. And so I had a mentor teach me about just creating uh, silence and solitude in my life. What it really was was the beginnings It was the seeds of Sabbath for me. And it wasn't some weekly commitment where I said, I'm going to do this every single week from, but for me, it just started there. But I was very quickly hooked because I found how powerful it was, um, how much I experienced the presence of God, the voice of God in my life by simply creating, stopping and creating space. And I think what impressed that upon me was this idea of rest, rest. Like I was raised in the typical world that most of you all probably were raised in a world of production. I was a straight A student. I was a, uh, uh, an athlete, a very committed athlete in multiple sports. I, um, I was an overachiever on every level and I just built my life around this I will produce, I will produce, I, I will achieve, and I will, and that's excellent. I'm actually very um, thankful that I have so many teachers and coaches and, and leaders in my life that instilled that in me, that initiative, that drive, that fire, but I had never been handed the other side of the coin, which I discovered was so 
helpful. And again, just like last week, I'm not speaking of a practical rest. I'm not speaking of the fact that I was physically tired or emotionally exhausted and I needed, those things are true. And of course we all need rest and that's a beautiful benefit of set. That's not what I'm, I'm talking about a spiritual rest. The ability to, one of the things that I learned about Sabbath was how much my, the Hebrew word would be soul, nefesh would be the Hebrew word, nefesh. My nefesh just wanted to rest and to find a space. And for me, I know it's different for others. For me, I didn't have to fight this. I know some people get into Sabbath and they feel like they have to fight this. Oh, I know I, I need to learn. I want to learn how to rest, but everything in me just fights it. Uh, I, I had found a space where the whole purpose of that space was to rest. And so while it was a challenge to shift my mental capacity, I had to like, I had to constantly tell myself it was okay to rest. My whole being outside of my brain, I feel like, was just like, oh. I just fell into this beautiful space. And I think, I think the rest portion, um, I've been trying to reflect on this idea of stopping, resting, delighting and contemplating and I may be rushing ahead to step four here but I feel like the the stopping is where God gets to speak his narrative his truth into my life the rest what I learned is the rest was where I that was where I met God I met God in the rest that's where God was he was resting he had beat me there God had which makes sense doesn't it I mean Genesis 1 God institutes red. It makes sense that he's beat me to that space. He's already there kind of like waiting for us to show up. It's not that God shows up. He was already there. It's that we show up. So I, I feel like God had already beat me to that space. And when I found, when I found rest, I also found the presence of God. I found God. Not like he wasn't in all those other spaces, but I found God in a way that was completely unique and that I think it was in out of stopping resting delighting contemplating rest was where that was where the internal work happened that was where the transformation the restoration took place so stopping and resting another day in the Sabbath diaries Shabbat Shalom I met my God in rest. It's almost like he's a shepherd leading his sheep to a specific spot because he knows that that's going to provide something valuable for his sheep. And sometimes we get off course, we get distracted, we lose hope, we get frustrated. We have questions that we're not sure how to get answers to. Or we take on new responsibilities and, 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 that, and those responsibilities almost crush us. And we're just fighting to keep going. And yet God waits there to provide you 
with rest. Rest that will satisfy. Rest that will give you the ability to continue. And it's not rest apart from him. It's rest that includes your creator who absolutely adores you. And so the implication is this. You need, I need, we need rest in God. We need that rest. We were created with that need. This is part of the creation narrative. God created rest on the seventh day because he knew what this world would try to exact out of us, our very soul. You need rest in God. And your next step this week, uh, have a discussion. What do you need rest from? What are the kinds of things that get in the way of you having rest? What did you resonate with in this conversation about Sabbath? What hit you in the heart? Have that conversation with your friend, with your spouse, with your care group. Have that conversation. And then find one way to rest in God this week. For me, Sabbath is oftentimes no more complicated than me connecting with God in a different way than I did from Sunday through Friday. I just do it differently. So that it doesn't become mundane. It doesn't become robotic. It doesn't become this automatic response. I do it uniquely to experience my God in a different way. And I have a tendency to do it longer. Because it's a day of rest, so... But then I also look to connect with those around me in a similar way that I'm trying to connect with God. And it's about me not being a human doing, but human being. And the people around me are not about their performance, but who God created them to be. So find one way to rest in God this week because you need it. I need it. We need rest in God. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.